in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 it says to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. There is a time and a season for everything. This is probably one of, if not the most quoted scripture when it comes to dealing with the matter of change, the subject of change. It is so saying there is a time for everything. We must change, ch situation will change, we must change. Things will happen that will force change. Whether we want to or not, there is a time and a season and a cycle that we go through. And there's nothing we can do to break it other than become amenable to the changes that are taken. God's got a reason for everything. God knows what he's doing. So today I'm using this scripture and I want to deal with the subject of change. And, and my, 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 my subject matter this morning is kind of tagging on to where I've been for the last five weeks with moving forward. That involves change. And the first installment of that five weeks ago was to accept the challenges that's before us. That implies change. There are challenges that you have to accept that's in front of you. If you're going to go forward, there are going to be things that are going to smack you in the face right as you make that decision. So you got to be able to learn to change. And so today's topic, is nothing has changed if you haven't changed. Take a moment to soak that in. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. There's a statement that I've heard and read and sounds kind of cliche, but it makes sense. I like it. It says change is inevitable. Misery is optional. It's more true than we care to admit. Change is inevitable. You will not get away from it. Misery is optional. You choose to be miserable, literally, if you don't amend to change. Somehow we imagine that it's possible to live without change, but we can no more live and not have change than we can jump and not feel the effects of gravity. You just can't do it. There was a time when 
women were relegated to a background society people and, 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 and didn't have a voice. And, and some cultures emphasize it more so than others. But today we have women with equal rights like anybody else because somebody decided to speak up. Groups of women began to speak up. And now today they are a powerful force to reckon with, rightly so. Because change, change produces change. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. You can try to resist it. But the sooner you release your resistance to it, it will come. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, lay aside every weight. In other words, there's some stuff that you have to let go of. Lay aside every weight. And the sin that so easily beset you. Just lay aside stuff that's keeping you back, dragging you back, keeping you down, holding you in a place. I think it was Einstein who kind of coined this and made it popular. He says, Nothing changes if nothing changes. And if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got and you'll keep feeling what you've always felt. How did he put it? Real simple. He says insanity, or the definition of insanity is simply this. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're gonna get the same results over and over again. It behooves us to embrace change or to be change agents. To be agents of change, to expect God to do something. You cannot simply say, when this thing happens, when this thing happens, when this thing happens, without putting some effort to make this thing happen, to make this thing happen. You can't complain about your situation morning, night, day, week, month after month, and not do anything about it to change. It would not change until you, faith without works is dead. You can't just believe without doing something about creating the change that you want to receive. It just, it just works that way. Nothing changes if nothing changes. And if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got and you'll keep feeling what you've always felt. Woodrow Wilson said these words. He gave us a very wise warning. If you want to make enemies, try to change something. People are so set in their ways that they don't want to move out of that place. There's a word for that. We call it being in a rut or being stuck. One of the definitions of a rut is a fixed, usually boring routine. If you continue to do the same thing in that rut, you will stay in that rut. I spoke about this several years ago in, and part of what I was saying became so forceful to me in that I remember we lived on this corner lot and we had a beautiful yard and exquisite lawn, but one side of that yard sloped towards the street. And so it was always hard to kind of keep the lawnmower 
pointed upward, you know, resisting its natural tendency to slip down. And so that force that I used to keep it up and cut a neat line, that, that, that place that I held in it caused the two outside wheels to kind of cut a channel in the yard. And over the months, as I cut the yard, that wheel would just find that spot and cut that lawn until after a few months, there were some deep, deep trenches from the wheel in my lawn. I'm going like, that used to work, but it ain't working no more. Change. I had gotten into a rut. And so I said, Lord, how am I going to break this rut? And the answer was as simple, as simple, as simple can be. Why don't you go in another direction like this way? <coughs> Fix the problem by just making a simple change. As you'll fall into a rut. Timothy says in, in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Why am I saying that? Because fear seems to be the accompanying uh, theme that keeps us from wanting to go forward or do something different. We're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of uncertainty. Uncertainty presents a kind of a challenge that says, haven't been there before, don't want to go there, don't know what to But you got to risk something in order to get a reward. No risk, no reward. Listen. <laughs> Some things you will do and you will fail. And the only thing you will learn from it if you're observant enough in that failure is I'm not going to do it that way again. So how does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. The guy who gave us the light bulb, you know how many times he tried that? A thousand times. But he said there is a way to produce light. I haven't got it yet, but I will keep at it. I will keep at it. I'll keep at it until I get it. Change requires certain risk on your part. To minimize risk, we need to pray and ask God for wisdom. Did you know there's a way to minimize risk? It's called the wisdom of God. Spend more time seeking God on the changes you want to make. Stay long enough listening to God on the changes you need to make and you will minimize the risk that you're going to take. So what am I saying this morning? Seek God in everything, in every major decision, in every major life direction. Seek God because fear is a natural enemy of change. It will scare you into wanting to be that same person in that same place over and over and over again. Let me look at 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If you are new man in Christ, or if you are a new creature in Christ, all things are passed away. You are retrofitted with a whole new mindset and a whole new set of capabilities and skills to hear the divine. So part of change and good change is the whole idea of 
being a creature in Christ Jesus. You know, um, many of y'all have got involved in all kinds of stuff like racing and different stuff. I, you know, I, I'm assuming that every normal red-blooded person in here had some childhood past where he got involved in motor racing or motorcycles or scooters or what have you. And I, I got involved in that. We, we got involved in that as I was growing up. And, and it was amazing how we could take a car that has a particular stamp and brand on it. For example, you take a Toyota and for all intent and purposes, it says Toyota. But we got that thing out, we took the engine out, the transmission out, the gear ratios out, and all that kind of stuff. And we put a whole new something inside there. And now it still says Toyota, but it runs like the wind. We put a whole new heart and engine and power and, and a whole new factory of sorts inside that thing. And even though it carried the outer shell of what it was designed after, on the inside, it was new and empowered and vigorous and just absolutely tear the streets up. When we take this thing that we have here and we present it to Christ and he takes that old man. Let's read that scripture again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. We take that same man and we pull what's out in him and we put that new creature in him he's a new man and all things are passed away and behold all things have become new the potentials in you are limitless when the creature the new creature is trained and transformed in you the simple interpretation of that scripture is change traditions and rituals are effective as long as they are relevant Refusal to change is sometimes referred to as stubbornness. And the Bible talks about stubbornness some 28 times. And in 19 times it used the word stiff-neckedness, which is the equivalent of the word stubbornness. That's a lot of references to this inability to want to change. God made several references about the inability to change. You don't want to change. He calls it stubbornness. He calls it stiff things. He's saying you got to do something. You can't just wish things into place. Wishing is not praying. You know? I'm going to say something here and it's not an order or a mandate. But many people play the lottery. And people wish they won the lottery. There's a simple truth to that. If you don't have a ticket, you don't have a chance. You gotta do something. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's so simple, it makes you laugh. If you don't have a ticket, you don't have a chance. So you could wish yourself into wealth all day long. While you're doing it, wish me into wealth too. I'll probably go buy a ticket. No, I don't buy a ticket. But, but you see the simplicity of what I'm saying? You have to do something. You can't just wish stuff to happen. You gotta do something. There must be an investment. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. That's my topic this morning. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. If you don't do anything, you're going to get exactly that. A big fat nothing. Understand God cannot allow people to live comfortable lives when stubbornness separates them from him. 
God wants everyone to let go of stubbornness and return to him. In other words, God wants you to change. While truth never changes, time changes. People change. Situations change. Methods change. And so when our traditions are no longer relevant, we need to be open to change. If it hasn't been working, don't all raise your hand at the same time right now. But you have a situation you're dealing with. That doesn't make me a prophet. That just makes me a person who understands life. We're all dealing with something. Trust me. <laughs> We're all dealing with something. I got stuff. You got stuff. We all, listen, which one of you ain't got no stuff in here? Help me. Help me this morning. I'm going to let you take over this message. Which one of y'all in here ain't got stuff? I am ready to let you take over right at this point and finish this message me. So we all agree, we all got stuff. You can't just wish that thing to go away. You got to do something to make that happen. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. While truth never changes, times and peoples and situations and methods change. Because if you live, you're going to grow. To grow is change. You ever saw a child growing while they're growing? You ever heard a tree making noise during the night when it's growing? No, growth is natural. You put a tree in the yard and you come back next day and say, oh my, it's gotten bigger. Did you hear it screaming during the night? Because growth is natural. You set your baby on the floor and you come back two times and you turn around and now he's walking around. You're like, oh my, he's walking around. Did you hear him groaning while he was growing? Because growth is natural. What you do know is, because you have come to accept these truths, if that same baby remained like this all the time, you won't be at the pediatric doctor in the next month. Something is wrong. What's wrong? Something is wrong. He should have been bigger. You know why? Because you have come to accept change as normal. Yet you have failed to do something to make change. That baby gets bigger because we fed it. That's what causes the change. We fed that baby. We watered that tree or the rain did or the earth produced it. Something has happened to cause this change. You cannot just wish it or assume it. If the church is going to grow, if people are coming in, it is because we're doing something. We are praying, we're giving, and the resources are translated into tangible means of growth if that ain't happening we're not feeding it think about that if it's not happening we're not playing our part we're not telling somebody we're not doing what we're supposed to do it will happen when we do what we're supposed to do nothing has changed if you haven't changed prayer changes things it's not smart to pray and don't expect change. When you pray, expect change. Job chapter 22 verse 8 says, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon your ways. I want you to write that one down and kind of revisit it sometime later on today. I want you to write that one. Use this as a change agent scripture. Hear what it says. You shall decree a thing. You shall decree a thing. You shall say it 
So, decree a thing. Make a statement. Declare something. Be declarative about it. I may have written it wrong. You're going to have to forgive me. Job 22, 28. Sorry. My bad. I was close. I, I, I dropped off. So I am right. Job 22, 28. Yeah. You shall decree a thing. You shall say it. Activate it with your mouth. Speak life into it with your mouth. You shall decree a thing. There you go. Fixed. <laughs> Job 22, 28. You shall decree a thing. And it shall be established unto you, and the light shall shine upon your ways. If the church is going to get to grow, say, speak, pray, do. Whether everyone likes it or not, change. And things are changing because prayer does change things. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14 verse 6? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the truth. No one going to get to me except you come through the Father. Let's begin to realize that the only way we'll get from here to our destination is to come through Christ. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the light. In Hebrews chapter 13, and verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. So the principle is true. You can't come unless you come through me. You can't change unless you change to me. And then he ratifies that further by saying, hey, the same way I was yesterday, I am today, I'll be tomorrow. I am not changing. The method has not changed. It will stay true until the Lord returns. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the way, he is the truth, he is the light, and nothing happens unless it comes through him. So decree a thing and it shall be established. Begin to make a proclamation with your mouth. And then when you make that proclamation, you have literally created what your future should be. Now go after it with what you do. Go after it with what you do. You want change? Do stuff that will make change. Decree the change that you want. Lord, I want a change in my son, my child, my home, my family, my friend, Lord, and then do what it's necessary to provide change. Yes, pray for God's wisdom so that you don't have to do it twice. Mm -hmm. I talked about that a little bit last week, didn't I? Pastor, what was John, the scripture you said for John? John, I gave John chapter 14, verse 6. John 14, 6. And then I gave Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus never changes. Since Jesus is the word of God in flesh, God's word never changes. Therefore, if it is in the word of God, it can't change regardless of whose feelings are hurt or what laws are passed. It can't change. There are some things that will change in our life. And there are some things that will never change. And we must be able to accept some of that if we like it or not. There are some things that won't change. You know? You could wish yourself into being six foot two. <laughs> Not gonna happen. You know how long I have been wishing to be 185 pounds? <sighs> I'm working on it. 
but I've been wishing for it a long time. But you know what I've started to do? I've started to eat differently. I've started to eat less. I've started, oh, I have a particular friend who laughs at me now and calls me all kinds of names, call me girly man and all kinds of stuff. But the truth is I have found a little principle that's working. I organize my food, my wife could tell you now. I have a protein, a carb, a vegetable, and a fat. That's how I eat now. I li listen, that thing is so inside my head now. I look at food and I go like, protein, no protein. Carbohydrate, no. That's how I pick food. It must have a protein, a carb, a vegetable, and a fat. And it could only be four or five ounces. I don't care once it has that in it. That's what I eat because I understood something through research. Those are the things that create fuel and burns energy to eat up fat. And I don't want to boast, but I lost 15 pounds in the last month. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> Can you tell? Because <laughs> I'm observing a strict principle. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. I cannot wish 185 pounds. I could set my goal and I could change my habits and I could eat differently and I could take care of my body and I will get there. Maybe. Thinking about it, maybe I don't want to be 185 pounds. That might look sick <laughs> for me. <laughs> but I gotta get healthier. For heart health, for all kinds of reasons. Develop a simple, say it with me a protein, a carb, a vegetable, a fat. There you got it. Eat that. Leave all the other stuff, it's useless. Sugar has no nutritional value. Get rid of it. Drink water. All right, let me get back on my message. <clears throat> we can't change our past, but we can change our present situation, which will ultimately change our future. Living one day at a time, enjoying every moment, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. That I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next life. One of the most successful programs there is out there is a thing called the 12-step program. Mm -hmm. That is so remarkable. As a matter of fact, that's what I did for my master's degree. I took the 12-step I took the 12-step program and I converted into a theological model using faith and stuff to create the same end results by foregoing some of its natural principles but finding spiritual, spiritual principles to back up each one of the points. And so that's what I did for my master's degree. Um, it's called Steps to Wholeness. Kind of neat and nifty, but I thought I could twist it around, not plagiarize, twist it around every one of those concepts have a spiritual undertone that we can embark upon and have a spiritual 12-step. That's what I did. Ah, okay, moving along. Step one is about admitting to myself that something is seriously wrong. Step one, I admit that something is wrong. Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and I need to be saved. Eh? <laughs> That's a step. 
Lord, I am not able to help myself. I am weak, but you are strong. That's step one. That's a spiritual step in the 12th step. Lord, I am weak, but you are strong. I admit that. Are you with me still? I've made a mess of my life. I admit this, and I, I'm going to quit playing games and trying to somehow rescue myself. I'm going to trust in God to rescue me because I am admitting that I have made a mess. I am weak and you've strong and I've gone this road before. I have prayed so many January 1, uh, several years. God, this year, this year, January ain't done. I'm doing what I did the last year. I'm weak, Lord God. I'm not able to help myself. I realize that my life has become unmanageable in ways it's not under my control anymore i do things that i later regret doing and tell myself that i will not do them again but i do i keep on doing them in spite of my regrets my denials my vows my cover-ups and my facades i still do it lord how about if i admit i am weak and you are strong Help thou my weakness, O oh God. I am seeking you for this permanent change that I seek in my life. I am seeking you. Hmm? The Bible says in Romans chapter 7, and I'm going to give you no specific verse. It's kind of throughout the entire chapter there, but I'm going to highlight this word. Paul says, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then there is no more that I do it, but sin that dwells in me. So what Paul is saying is simply this. I do a bunch of stuff I don't want to do. I make promises I'm not going to do that again, but I'll go and do it again. And so Paul says, here's recognition. Here is how I recognize. I recognize there's a sin principle in me warring against my spirit and warring against my flesh. And the sooner I could admit that there's a sin principle in me that keeps me going back to that negative part, the faster I get to Jesus. So I say, oh God, help me. I am weak, but thou art strong. Come fill me, Lord. You see how the 12th step is being turned into a spiritual model? Simply by doing that. I am trusting God. I'm not trusting the power of my mind. I'm not chanting. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. So step one is all about brokenness. Brokenness. Is anybody broken this morning? Hmm? Are you broken this morning? I mean, I don't have to take a poll in here. Like I said, we all got something. So brokenness is step one. We're all broken in some way or another. I mean, you know, just, just look at the nicest, best, most beautiful person out there and say, oh man, I'd love to be like that. But like my mama always said, if problems were hung like clothes on a line, you take yours and I take mine. You don't want somebody else's stuff. You don't want somebody else's stuff. It, it only looks good. You remember that other thing I told you about? The grass is green on the other side until you get the water bill. It just looks good. It got stuff in it. Step two is a step of hope, hope, faith, and realization. It's a big step towards God. 
In essence, it says, in spite of all my failures in my own life, all of the broken promises, hard feelings, disappointments, failures, destructive behaviors, hatred, anxiety, depression, or guilt, there is still hope. Step two is a step of hope. What has been my theme all month last month? Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which will, are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before me, I press towards the mark of the high calling for the prize in Christ Jesus. I am saying, look, all this stuff, all this brokenness, yes, I get it. But I, I, I'm not saying that I've made it. Actually, I haven't. What I do is I press towards the mark of the high, for the price of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I am doing something. I am going forward to a high place and a high mark in Christ Jesus. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. Step two of the 12-step program is all about honesty. You have to be honest with yourself and say, I can't make it on my own. I can't make it on my own. Anybody here could figure it out by yourself? Because I am desperate for a teacher or tutor. You can make it by yourself. Please school me. You can't make it on your own. You have to trust in God. It's about honesty. I can't make it. I have tried it and I've made a mess. I don't have it all together and I need to change. What is step three in a, in a uh, three-step program? It's all about letting go. I have made a conscious and willful decision to turn my life and all my will and all my life circumstances over to God's care. First Peter chapter five, verse six and seven says what? Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. First Peter. Right? Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Let go. Let go. So let's kind of recap just a little bit the few things I've just spoken about. Step one is brokenness, right? I am broken. Can, can, every, can everybody agree with that this morning? Can you step aside from yourself a little bit and we can, I am broken. I just don't got it all together. I have some things, okay, but some things where it really, really matters, I don't have it. I, I don't got it, I just don't have it. Hmm? So it's about brokenness. What does Psalm 51 verse 17 says about that? He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. God says, admission of brokenness becomes a sacrifice unto me. Now think about that for a second, people. Don't run away too far from that. Here's what God is saying. He says, as a matter of sacrifice, he says, this is a kind of offering of sacrifice to me. 
that when you realize that you are broken, he says, I will not despise a guy that comes to me with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. A guy who comes before me saying, Lord, I am so sorry. I have so messed up. I have done this thing wrong while I was saying that I'm right. I have been belligerent and pig-headed and arrogant and all that kind of stuff. And God says, that doesn't smell good. He says, that doesn't smell good. He says, but a broken spirit. He says, that smells like a good offering coming up to me. Yeah. A contrite heart that said, Lord, I am sorry. I should not have done that that way. I should not have been so headstrong in this situation. I should not have fought for my right. You know, sometimes you have to make a real, real hard choice. And let me tell you this hard choice. You either want to be right or you want to live in peace. Choose which one you want. They're either side of the spectrum. You could stand for your rights and live in hell. Or you could choose to give up that right and live in peace. Which one do you want? You want to be right? Or you want to have peace before God? If you choose to have peace before God, then there's some things you just got to lay down, let it go, give it up, put it aside for the sake of peace. Because brokenness and wrath is for a moment, but peace will fall into the day you go to your grave. Do you want peace? Hmm? Do you want peace? Okay, I'm watching you. You're about to go off. I have broken my life. I'm ashamed of things I've done. I know it. You got 13 to go. Lord, I need to put the shattered pieces of my life back together. Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Underline that one and take that one to study this evening when you go home, right? Giving me beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, changing my brokenness. God wants to take your brokenness and put you together new. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Two, I'm still visiting these three things. I think not going into all of them, but just visiting three of, three of them. Step two again, I'm still there. Hope, faith, and realization. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and righteousness. We know that song, right, Iris? My faith is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Oh, you know it. Good. Wonderful. Thank you. Hope, faith, and realization. Romans 5.2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Hebrews 11, one more faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I am standing at the break of darkness in my life. I do not know where the next step is going to take me, but I have faith that God will change my situation around. Why? Because of realization, my realization that I have faith and that I have hope. And if I want to change my circumstance, I must enter into faith and hope and then do something after I decree a thing. I decree a thing. What do you want? Throughout this message, keep thinking here in your heart. What do I want? What's the big brokenness that I need to change today? What do I want? What do I want to see in me? Philippians 4 and verse 3 says, I can 
do not wish. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Christ give me the strength and I can do it. I'm asking for strength to do it. And because he gives me strength, because I admitted that I'm broken, admitted that I'm wrong, admitted that I've tried in my own flesh, admitted that I feel. And now he's saying, you can do whatever you do because I'm going to strengthen you to do it. Call on me. And I'll show you great and mighty things you knew not of. Jeremiah 33, 3. You know, so let him go and relinquish him. You can't hold on to stuff and expect things to change. For nothing changes if nothing changes. You cannot hold on to stuff and expect things to change. If, if you're in an argument and you want an outcome and you've been going at it for two hours and three hours and one day and two days, and three days and a week, and you're still going at it, let me give you a little secret. Stop. You can't win nothing while you're holding on to something. As long as your hand is tightly clutched around your rights and forget your responsibilities to peace and happiness and harmony, you will never get anything. All you'll have is fight. Fight, 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 fight. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. If you want to get rid of stuff, you got to cast off some stuff. Why? Again, broken record. Because nothing changes if nothing changes. Do you think you could live that way and go to heaven? Just a thought in my head. You think so? You think you can live like hell and go to heaven? You think you can make somebody absolutely miserable? Where they can't even live or lose sleep and somehow you glorify God with that and you're on your way to heaven? I don't know. First Corinthians 6, 9 and 10 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's all I got to say about that. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idols, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I think he covered a whole list of people that are not going to make it. Hmm? Nothing changes if nothing changes or if you haven't changed. If you come to church every Sunday... You pay your tithes and offering, you sing the praise song loud and with enthusiasm, but you still have the same carnal mind. <coughs> Nothing <coughs> has changed. Romans 8, 7 says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. Romans 12, 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed, change, change by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Transformation by renewing of your mind. Transform means to undergo a change in the structure, a genetic modification in some respects, and in this respect, a spiritual modification. You have to be transformed, according to Romans 2, by the renewing of your mind. Take out this old thing, put in the new one with new ideas and fresh generation. You know, things that, things that are current and things that are workable for the kingdom. Be transformed. A caterpillar is not a beautiful butterfly. It crawls around on the ground like a caterpillar. And it's vulnerable to its predators, right? 
But at some point in its life, it undergoes a transformation. At some point, while he's walking on the ground, he says, I am a beautiful butterfly. I've seen all my predecessors. They all turned out into beautiful butterflies. And I just know, I just know, I am supposed. So he keeps walking and he keeps walking. And there's certain things I have too much time to take to go into it. There's an enzymic change that happens when the outer layer is bruised and gives birth to the wings and he becomes a multifaceted, beautiful winged butterfly. And what happens when he becomes a butterfly? Not only is he beautiful, but he now has the power to evade his predators because he can fly. He no longer crawls. He gets rid of his predators and he can fly. And he's beautiful. Come on, butterflies. Or should I say caterpillars not yet transformed? <laughs> Butterflies, change. Nothing has changed if you haven't changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm getting close to the end here. Therefore, if any man, if any man, we talked about this earlier on when I talked about the engine and the car. Here's a scripture to back it up. If any man be in Christ, he is, present continuous tense, a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You cannot be in Christ and still do what you were doing before you got in Christ. Why? Because if you're still doing the same thing, there has been no change and nothing changes if nothing changes. <laughs> you must have a changed mind, a changed heart, a changed walk, a changed talk, a changed life. Things you used to do, you can't do anymore. Why? Because of change. Places you used to go before you can't go anymore. Why? Because of change. Nothing changes if nothing changes. You may not remember this message today, but you're going to remember nothing changes if nothing changes. <laughs> A real simple, simple understanding of truth. Nothing will change if you don't change. You don't wish it away. You got to change. Got to make some change. So, in closing, let me read Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 17. And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his feet, saying, giving him thanks as he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, where were the other ten? But where, why are they just nine? You know, in the next minute and 55 seconds that I have, Could you imagine these guys shouted out, I want a change. I want a change. They screamed out at Jesus, God, help me. 
My fingers are falling off. My toes are falling off. I got to ring a bell and walk so that people won't get near to me shouting unclean, unclean. And Jesus said this to him. You want to change? Yes. Can't you tell I want to change? Duh. Go show yourself. Until you go and you show, ain't nothing going to happen. Nothing changed if you haven't changed. You got to get up and do something. Between getting back your fingers and your toes was a simple request. Go show yourself. So could you imagine these guys? Not the one that came back, the other nine, now filled with ego and pride and all that kind of stuff, go back to the priest. You know the other guy? Who tell them they were unclean and to ring the bell and just shout, unclean, unclean. Could you see them now? Hey, father. Remember me? Yeah, I know it's kind of hard to detect me now. I used to ring a bell. But look at me now. <laughs> look at me now. I did something about my condition. I admitted that I was weak. I admitted that I couldn't help myself. I admitted all those things. I followed a simple command that I need to go and seek the approval. The priest had to give the legit approval that you're whole. It's in the walk from, I made up my mind that I'm not going to be this way anymore. That a transition takes place in the process as I'm walking I'm gaining something, something. A, a caterpillar is turning into a butterfly. As I, I took that walk, it's my death. It's my walk to get my wings. I'm going to change. I'm going to do this. And as I start to walk, I start to walk. Guess what? Guess what? I arrived at where I'm supposed to go, and I'm changed. And the things I used to do, I do them no more. The things I used to see, I see them no more. Friends, this morning, one more time. One more time, nothing has changed if you haven't changed. The devil humiliates and he degrades your body and he destroys you. He does all those things. Today, I'm encouraging you to take that step, a step of admission. God, I got stuff wrong with me I got stuff I need to overcome I could be at a happier place I could have a more peaceful relationship I could have harmony with you 